Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And E3 has come and gone. Episode 228 today, June 15th, 2021. There is quite a bit to cover, so we are going to go right into our topic of the day, which is our E3 2021 recap. Without further ado, I think we should start off with kind of our high-level thoughts as to what we thought overall of the show. Start right with you, Steve. Well, I think this year I can actually say Xbox led the pack. They had a great show. I think the last few years, Xbox has kind of trailed off. I mean, they, they've had a decent show, but it wasn't anything striking. It wasn't, um, you know, you, you, we weren't going home bragging and jumping up and down. And this time, I think they really uh, they held their own. I think that uh, they had like the best presence of of the entire show. Um, <laughs> either that, or like a lot a lot of the other uh, showcases <laughs> had a lot to talk about, but Microsoft sure did. So um, I think they did fantastic. Very cool. What about some of the other folks? I uh, wasn't too impressed. Um, I, it was literally like Microsoft and uh, Squaresoft, and that was about it for me. The rest of the stuff, I uh, I wasn't really too interested in. It wasn't my thing, mm-hmm. so not not very memorable for me. Yeah, it's interesting because Sony elected to not participate in E3 2021 this year, and they they also haven't really been doing that, I think, over the past year or two. And it's kind of a bummer. That was, I don't know. For me personally, E3 has always been this this kind of coming together. No matter who you work for or what game you're working on, whatever it is, it's like like you kind of rally under this banner known as E3 to be able to show off what you've been working on and have that sense of camaraderie and inspiration, that sort of thing. So it's weird because you know that Sony's going to have some sort of Sony state of play conference or, or something so that way people don't forget about them and they'll probably have it like next month or something. Yeah, say, uh, early July or something. Yeah, it's, I don't think they've had like any kind of announcement date. Right. Uh, but, but we all know it's coming. Having said that, though, I agree. I think, I think Microsoft definitely had a nice, strong showing. I think that their acquisition of Bethesda definitely helps to round out more of their staple of games. And... I made a list of the various games. I feel like you and I were pretty much on the same page in terms of which games interested us. Would you agree? Yeah, I think with the exception being like Psychonauts, you were like, oh, Psychonauts. And I went, oh, Psychonauts. <laughs> yeah, you, you, weren't, you, you didn't play the first one. Yeah, I haven't played any of the Psychonauts. And, and that, that one just doesn't really appeal a whole lot to me. Um, it has definitely some character to it, but... Um, Definitely not not something that's in my bag. Mm-hmm. So, you know what it, what it reminded me a lot of? Maybe it was just the animation style or how to can't even place my finger on it, but it looked it did remind me of Ratchet and Clank. I don't know if it was the colors or what it was, but um, something about it. Well, it, I, I would say it's probably in a similar <laughs> genre of it being kind of like a 3D platformer Possibly. style game. Uh, but the games themselves are actually quite different in terms oh, of... Yeah. <laughs> The uh, I, yeah, you know, approach to everything. Yeah, you know. yeah, I'm saying it because you haven't played the first game, so uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I suggest that we go down this list that I have curated, okay, from both 
Microsoft as well as Square Enix, and then maybe even sprinkle in some Nintendo at the end of this as well. Um, before I get started, though, I was really surprised at how Namco, from my understanding, like like I was trying to look at, at that, like what they had to show on YouTube. I only saw one game. Yeah. And I mean, that game looked like, like it was kind of interesting, but I was shocked because it's Namco is, is usually just brimming with all kinds of different titles. Yeah, man. Did you look as well? I, I didn't see anything from Namco. I, I, I didn't search specifically for Namco. I, I was looking for a, a collection of all the showcases. Like, for example, Take Two also had something, but it was mostly just like a panel talk. And I'm, and I really wanted to see some games. I didn't really want them to sit there and listen to a, to a panel. I'm sure they had a lot of interesting things to say. I just, my attention span didn't allow it. So I, I you know, I didn't watch it, but uh, I was going like fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Okay, there's gonna be nothing. You're okay, figuring it was cool. like maybe it was like a pre-show to like the actual yeah. unveiling of the game lineup. And and I remember seeing Namco in um in the schedule. Mm-hmm. And then so when I I figured they would pop up in the search, and so when they didn't, I had to actually look for it specifically. I mean, I I forgot to look for the Namco. I I figured it would pop up in like one of the E3 highlights or something, and I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go down this list because there's actually quite a few of them um, that were pr- actually pretty new. And there, there were some that, that were rehashed at, from the previous year. We just got to see more of those games, which is totally fine. I mean, I, I was very much into that. I think that was one of my takeaways regarding the Xbox uh, press conference was that there, it wasn't like there was like this completely brand new lineup. And what was actually kind of surprising to me was how there were certain games that were announced last year that didn't get any screen time this year. Like Perfect Dark, for example, was unveiled that that was the game that The Initiative, which is one of their brand new studios down in Santa Monica, is working on. I was really surprised we didn't see anything from uh, Perfect Dark. Right. Another example is Forza Motorsport. I think they're eight or nine. I'm not sure what number they're on from uh, the motorsport eight. side. <laughs> but if you recall, they did have gameplay footage of that last year. Right. And this year, they had just a fleeting two or three seconds of gameplay as Phil Spencer was like, mentioning the title that being in the works as well. In fact, I think it was smart of him to put that in there just because after watching Forza Horizon 5, I think everybody had the question, wait, what, I thought they were working on Forza Motorsport. What's the deal? And so I'm sure that that game will come out next year. They're going to do the typical flip-flop thing, which is great. I, I really like that kind right. of setup. But it was just kind of funny how they had games like that that were announced or talked about or perhaps even like provided a glimpse of last year that was not shown. They're still in development, but I don't know. I, th- I thought that was surprising, I guess is the right word. Yeah. I, I was pretty stuck. I and mean, that was one of the better surprises. It was the Forza Horizon five because I, I didn't expect it. I was like, I figured they would show a Forza, mm. uh, but I haven't even finished Forza Horizon four yet. Because I'm waiting for my my Series X uh, to, to to finish playing it, um, I wanted to play it on the, the higher res. So I figured you know I might not go all the way you know, from the beginning to end all over again, so I might as well like stop where I'm at and then continue. Yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff I still have to do. Uh, but uh, this one's coming out this year. This Forza Horizon Five. 
It is. I have a theory, a hypothesis. Yes. I think that Microsoft may have decided to kind of swap out the release dates of Forza Motorsport and Forza Horizon because I think they want their Forza Motorsport to drop at the same time that the net, the new Gran Turismo game drops. Quite possibly. I think that that may be a a at least an influencing factor in terms of when they want to release that. Because you know that like they totally want that as a competitor to whenever Gran Turismo drops. Yeah, I could see that happening. I could see it. Because otherwise... The excitement for this one will be be high, but if there's something that Sony does with Gran Turismo that's, you know, more epic on a, a larger scale, and then they, you know, uh, uh, Microsoft could have done it with this game if they held on to it a bit longer, uh, or something even better, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Then they, you know, they, they would have the extra time to do it. But if they just drop it right away and then Sony does whatever they're going to do with, with Gran Turismo, then Gran Turismo's better. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. It makes sense. Well, and regardless of what happens, like if that, in fact, is the case where both games drop simultaneously, that's just better for the gamer overall. Because, I mean, if you're a car enthusiast and you love playing those games, oh, you're going to be happier than a tick on a dog. Jeez. <laughs> Anyway, so they kick off the, the the Xbox conference showing Starfield. Right. And Starfield was announced last year. It really all we saw was a logo and, and kind of like a little like uh, nebulous outer space shop. And that was about it. Like they didn't have anything to show. That, that's all we worked on. We just yeah, I mean, it was shot. clearly meant to just be, hey, we're working on a brand new RPG IP. And so... Um, it was interesting because we, I mean, even with what they did show, it wasn't a whole lot. Like we didn't actually really see any kind of gameplay footage. It was almost more of a demonstration of the game engine capabilities. Right. What did, what did you think of what they had to show? I mean, it looked awesome. I mean, it was, I mean, all that, all the ray tracing, like all the rocks yeah. and stuff. Um, we got to see a little bit of the ship. I mean, the, the realism of the the ship taking off with like the you know, the steam coming, sure, out and then the, the rockets. It looked like a shuttle launch. Uh, it inst- did instead of like a spaceship shooter where you know the rockets hit and the thing just you know takes off and you know whatnot. This is actually like almost like a launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there might be some you know realism in the physics and whatnot. Um, you saw the. Um, whoever the character was, you know, put his rifle or his submachine gun on the table and you could see like on the barrel, the, the ammo, the kind of glowing and some other insignia, like maybe you need to reload or something. Um, so, I mean, I, my, my curiosity is peaked. I mean, it might be pretty broad. It might be a very open, large <laughs> game. I mean, who knows? I mean, this, this is a new, new, um, I guess IP by Bethesda. They mm-hmm. haven't done something like this in years. Yeah, well, it's definitely a new IP. What struck me as unique about this particular um, title was how it didn't have the normal Bethesda edginess to it. Like, if you think about, like, most of the RPGs that they make, and really most of the games overall that they make, Bethesda has developed a brand identity or, or a reputation for making games that have more of an edgy feel to them with a biting sense of humor. Um, you know, you have like, like these, these, uh, clever shock moments through their games. 
And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Doom or if it's like Wolfenstein or if it's the Outer Worlds or whatever it is. Like, like you know, you have all of the, these different types of um, games that, that have that kind of Bethesda, like, like just mark on it, you know, like that seal of approval sort of thing. And what's interesting about Starfield, at least from what little we have seen, is that the overall mood seems to be one of like positive exploration. Like, like you're definitely on an adventure. There is some sort of sense of danger, like what you were talking about with him putting down the, the, the weapon on the, on the table or whatever, but it it wasn't like, you know, all all hell's broken loose. Yeah. You are humanity's last hope. We're sending you out into the galaxy (laughs) to find the next planet to inhabit. Like it's, it's not like that at all. It actually had a sense of hope to it or, or a sense of wonderment or exploration and adventure. Yeah. Yeah, it had kind of more of a a positive connotation that I'm not used to necessarily seeing. Normally, the, again, like like if we're talking about Bethesda, I mean, we're talking about Death Loop, we're talking about um, Dishonored, we're talking about <laughs> all all these different. I mean, even even their game that we'll talk about later on, Redfall, was another one. You know, that is hands down like that is totally Bethesda. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I think Starfield. Um, has a lot of potential. I really like the premise of it. We just really need to see some some gameplay, I would say. Right. To be able to understand kind of what this whole thing is about. The next... Oh, were you going to say something else? Pause. We got to turn these lights on back here. No. We're not going to turn the border lights on. We're going to have a little blue. We're going to keep yeah. them black. You, you, want, you want a little blue? Yeah. You want a little black and blue? Yes. I can do that for you, Steve. I think it might be better than just black. I'm sitting right here. I'm not moving. <laughs> so when we pick up, I'm in the exact same spot. Oh, there it is, Russ. Oh, it's so mm. beautiful. <laughs> anyway, the second game that they were showing was Stalker 2. And this is part of that that Chernobyl um, series where it's first person shooter. I'm actually making my way through one of those titles right now, and it has consistently been a looker of a game. Like I mean, every game that that has come out, they've really done a nice job with the, this realistic graphical tour de force of their game. And it's very different with it being more in Eastern Europe. But what do you think of the the trailer? The trailer was cool. It was a long trailer. Um, I were they speaking Polish? I think so. Um, Either was, Polish or Russian. I, I'm not sure. It was different. In the, yeah, I guess Russian. <laughs> that would make. Ah, they were speaking Italian. Yeah, <laughs> for Chernobyl. Uh, so I, I, I always had to drop my eyes to the the subtext or the subtitles instead of keep my eyes up towards what was happening on screen unless it was no I was speaking it was just action of course but um and that 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 takes me back a little bit I don't I mean I'm not going to say I, I there's an issue with it but there's one thing when you're reading text versus appreciating the beauty in the game mm-hmm. and so when there's nothing going on you were saying oh look at the brick and look at the floor and look at the you know the ray tracing and I'm like yeah then someone would say something and I go Oh, they're saying it's a nice afternoon and the, uh, whatever. The music is pleasant. I only know how to speak English. <laughs> I don't know how to speak Chernobylese. 
<laughs> I was really impressed with the technicalities of the game. If you recall, I was pointing out to you at one point, there's a character who was dancing to some music he put on and you had those floorboards that would bend and actually kind right. of like, like kind of bounce up briefly, like depending on how his foot hit each one of those boards. That was really impressive. The ray tracing was beautiful. I love seeing the accurate shadows cast along the walls and the floors and the different types of um, props in the environment. And I thought it was a nice approach to the trailer having like those comrades sitting around a campfire kind of teasing each other talking about their day or talking about certain things. And, and you could tell how the conversation flowed from greeting one another to having some moments of levity, some moments of sorrow or respect um, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or even like um, some regret, that sort of thing. So by the end of the trailer, it's like, you know, you have the main character who you are, who has to get up because you have to go meet someone. And I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I really thought that was a successful presentation for that <laughs> That's game. Funny. They're showing, uh, this beast come up to you. The guy's telling the story of the guy with the beard. Yeah. And then the beast comes right up to the screen goes, Bruh! you know, and he does that to uh, one of the, it cuts back <laughs> to the campfire and that guy's like teasing his buddies. Like, yeah, yeah that, that was really good. That was um, really good. The facial animation was also outstanding. Facial animation was good. The sound was good too. Uh, there, you had that scene where he like, looks like he has an AK and, uh, you know, rapid fire and it sounded very good. One thing, though, that caught my eye, uh, which I, they'll probably have it fixed for the, the game, though, is when he reached to pick up something, mm-hmm. you just see his hand go like that, but then something gets picked up like another rifle, and then he would pick up um, like the scope, but you just saw his hand hand go like this. <laughs> and then well, sudden, I liked it. I mean, the animation was actually cool, how like it, it had a nice organic flow of him going up, but it, it didn't connect with right. necessarily with the item. right. Which is more than I can say for some other games where, like, if you pick something up, you don't even see an arm and a hand. Just, it just kind of goes poof and it goes away. You're like, <laughs> I think I collected that. Attached to my gun. Got it. <laughs> Telekinesis. So they went from that into Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life, which I was actually pretty gleefully surprised over with regards to what the expansion was about. And if you watched it, it completely brought in. Pirates of the Caribbean from Disney. And I was totally shocked to see Jack Sparrow being represented there. Clearly you're going to be going on some, some adventures with Jack Sparrow and even like a lot of the, the baddies and villains that we've come to know from the trilogy of Pirates of the Caribbean. Actually, it's not even a trilogy anymore. They have like at least four movies, if not five. It's a quintology perhaps. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Russ. I'm not exactly sure, but I am really excited for this because I feel like this particular expansion addresses a lot of the complaints that I've been having regarding Sea of Thieves, where we we just we simply don't have enough enemy types, right? Like we've talked about, like oh look, there's yet another undead skeleton that I have to fight, and it, there there's a there's a lack of variety of enemy types in the game. I I'm totally fine with undead skeletons, don't get me wrong, but when it's the only thing, it just gets stale after a while. And in this expansion, I mean, we saw like enemy mermaids, we saw um, the uh, the undead and like kind of ghost form on land, we saw 
um, the Davy Jones and, and his whole posse of different underwater, like humanoid sea creature pirates and stuff. I mean, this is good. Like all of what I'm seeing in addition to the, the undead skeleton enemy types that we've already seen in the game, that makes me very happy because then depending on where you go, I mean, it's a, it's more of a refreshing experience. What were you going to say, Steve? I'm hoping that it's more than just DLC for that story because they were advertising it as, yeah, you can get Captain Jack Sparrow and you go on this quest. Um, but everything they were showing was not like the islands that we have come to know and, right. and, and recognize. And so when they show all the, the underwater life and the new creatures, it all had to do with that DLC. It didn't necessarily have to do with the regular game. So I'm hoping that there are elements that get you know, spread across into the regular game. Like you don't have to keep on going to play the DLC again and again and again, only you know to get these different enemy types or to get yeah. more colorful underwater sure. uh, exploration or different enemy types, whatever. No, that's a good point. And I'm fine. Like if they decide they only want the narrative aspect of the expansion pack to exist within these new areas of the, and vistas that they were showing, that's totally fine. Provided, like you said, that these other features just populate the overall world of Sea of Thieves. I think that'd be terrific. One of the other things too, that you and I talked about was we loved hearing Johnny Depp's voice doing original VO work for his Jack Sparrow Sea of Thieves rendition. And one of the things that, that I commented to you on was I really hope that the VO carries over into the game itself. So like when you're in gameplay and you're talking with Jack Sparrow, one of the things that I, I really hope they don't do, this is, this is one of my pet peeves about Sea of Thieves. And I like Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves is a really fun game. We've do put... You? I don't even know how many hundreds, if not thousands of hours into this game, but one of the, the issues that we've always had is how the NPCs that you come across don't really have any kind of VO. Like, like they make these little weird noises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, type, 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 You have type, to type. like read all of these paragraphs of text. And, and I would much rather prefer <laughs> just to be entertained, be, be told what is being said. And, there's really no excuse for that. It's like, guys, you're not your game is not a, a hardcore RPG where there's tons and tons and tons yeah. of dialogue. And even if it was, there are it's become standard. Like the expectation nowadays is if you're doing an RPG that it's all voice acted. Right. All of your characters, if it's the main character, if it's the NPCs, whatever, you have those performances. And especially like if they have someone like Johnny Depp coming in and Davy Jones, like I want to hear their voices all the time. Like, I don't want to hear a, mm. ah. and that's all I hear. Like, no, I want to see facial animations. I want to see the body performance. I want to hear the VO. So um, I will be very, very happy if they actually decide to do that for this. And if they don't, it's going to be a bummer, but I'm sure we will still have a good time with what they have. One thing I was hoping for when they brought up Sea of Thieves was a smart delivery of how the game could be improved, you know, or, or better looking on the Xbox X, Series X, and and S, uh, because that was the main point of, of of a lot of the the games where they say, okay, well, this is going to be you know maximized on the X and S, and blah, blah, blah. and plus the system that's the system now. It's not the Xbox One; it is the Series X. 
Uh, and so what we saw was did look uh, like a crispy version of previous generation, but not necessarily like pushing the system to its limits or any like kind of improvement. I know for a fact that they did have an upgrade that I, I personally have installed on my series X. And so like it has like ray tracing and, and especially like when I'm playing the game, like it does look a whole lot more crispy. Mm. The thing is, is that the game itself is intentionally stylized. Right. So it's not like it's going to all of a sudden look photo real. Like you're watching like a pirates of the Caribbean movie. Cause that's just not the art direction. But having said that, I can tell you that like, I mean, the water looks like even more impressive if you can believe that. And, um, uh, you know, the shadows and that sort of thing. So it just depends. And it's a game, you know, it's, it's interesting because sea of thieves have, um, it, it's really had multiple expansion packs over the years and we've enjoyed everything that, that has come out with it, but it's, it has also been that back and forth with, um, me anyway. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily as much with you, but to have this type of content that was not readily available right when the game was released, it's, it's, it's created kind of this, this interesting relationship between me and the game where like, I'll go in and I'll play like the new content stuff for a while and then I'll leave the game and then they'll announce another DLC or expansion pack or something like that. So then I'll come back and play that, but then I'll leave again. And, and I just constantly think to myself, what would have happened if like, say 50% of the DLC that we've been enjoying over the years was actually available on launch day itself. So there was simply more to do more content, that sort of thing, because I think I would be engaging even more as opposed to this kind of crumb trail that's going on where it's like, I, I come in for a little bit and I leave and Oh, I come back a little bit and I leave. And yeah, I don't know. I, I go back and forth because they're, they're making you come back with all the new content versus if they, if they gave you everything all up front or mostly everything all up front, then you probably would have done everything and not come back. Or, I mean, because the other thing too is that, like, there there are still things that I haven't even completed yet from previous DLCs that are still outstanding. Right. So uh, I think that that the amount that is there definitely would, would keep me going. And I think it's just a matter of, like, well, how much... Like, if, if I enter this world where it's like, wow, I don't even think I've, like, scratched the surface of this versus, oh, I've been everywhere hundreds of times and, oh, they've put this additional little part here. Okay, I'll go scope this additional part out, but I know, you know, what else is there to do? But having said that, like, it is still fun to occasionally, you know, like, like I'll meet up with you and we'll um, grab us, yeah. you know, get, grab, grab a boat and... Every few months or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Battlefield 2042. So this was a game that had nothing pretty much but gameplay itself. They, they were advertising how you can have 128 players on this kind of like massive online uh, first-person shooter. And it looked like they were having a lot of fun with just making as much chaos as possible. It, you know, it takes place a little bit in, into the future, hence the year. And all kinds of different types of vehicles that you can fly or drive and you can have different payload drops, definitely crazy kind of weather where like you'd see tornadoes. I don't even know like what city they were fighting in, but like, it, I mean, it looked like, like dust storm coming and stuff. I don't know yeah. if they were in Dubai or 
I, I couldn't tell, but like, yeah, there, there was just a lot of, of, uh, weather features in there, which again is really, really cool. Um, there were certain moments such as when, uh, the, the, the guy jumped off the roof, how he could use his little like flying squirrel outfit to like kind of make his way down through the skyscrapers, which was really cool. It was, it was neat to be able to see how you could have that, that gameplay, taking place more of in a vertical space, but then be able to make your way back down without doing like the whole insta death. Like, Oh, you fell off a, a rooftop. You died. But so that, so they were just advertising the multiplayer. They weren't advertising like a whole new campaign or a story. And that's one of the questions I have. I don't know if this has a campaign or if it's simply just an online only game. Interesting. Have, have you, uh, Seen or heard anything about this, Steve? No. Hmm. Hmm. It's worth looking into. Because they have had a narrative, I believe, up until this point, right? For quite a while, yes. Hmm. Speaking of narrative and first-person shooters, I don't think that there has been a, a new Call of Duty announced for, the, has for this year, has there? No, but I think that's because the last I mean, we it hasn't been a full year since the other one has been, has been out. I think the other one. Well, came didn't, out. didn't the last one come out like in November or December? Yeah, probably. They tend they, they tend to come out right around that time frame, and they come out like every year. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're putting a little bit of extra TLC in this one. Yeah, maybe they wanted Battlefield to show their their hand first, and then. They'll do like a separate, like standalone announcement, like, oh, yeah, here's your Call of Duty. <laughs> you want a God? Here you go. So, that's a take a little look see. But overall, are you excited about Battlefield 2042? This one, not so much. I'm big into the campaign, the story. Um, I'm not too big on the multiplayer part of Battlefield. Okay. So, that, I, that, that I'd, I'd, I'd probably pass on. Okay. You? I'll probably pick it up. I, I no. thought that there was actually quite a bit to enjoy with that. I'm curious to see like what kind of large battle mechanics they, they have in there. It looks like it's designed for that kind of overwhelming visual spectacle. So I'll, I'll check it out. Party Animals. That's one I was a bit curious about. It looks like I was telling you about looks kind of like fall down guys. Kinda. A bit, except yeah. you're stuffed animals and you're wandering around and headbutting everybody. <laughs> and um, I thought, you know, it, it's it most likely is like a four player game, maybe you it's know, a party game. It's a party game, which I I I think that would be kind of fun. It, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> the graphics weren't half bad either. I mean, they, they were pretty good, weren't pretty they? Pretty darn clear. Yeah. Like the ray tracing makes them look like these even more <laughs> fuzzy, plush, lovable, stuffed animal types. And, they, and they're, I mean, I'm not going to say they're evil, but they're just kind of like these wonderful teddy bear looking things. And they just push each other over the edge and like start <laughs> headbutting each other and slapping each other. Like, what in the world is happening? Well, one of the things that I thought was so funny, and you know this was intentional from the team, like this was part of their selling point, was like the appendages are so disconnected from their bodies. Like it's this weird like 
I don't know. Like, like you see him moving around and like, like it, I, it makes me wonder if you, if you make your, your character move a direction, is there like a slight delay in the character responding? Like maybe like it's torso begins to move in that direction, but then it's it's limbs kind of linger behind. Cause if you notice, like they, they kind of like, they look drunk. They were kind of like, and then they, they finally come over to someone, they go Boof, and punch somebody and then they fall <laughs> off or whatever. Like, I almost wonder if it's because they they are supposed to be stuffed animals, maybe, but they have no backbone or skeleton. So you, it's like almost like you're you're making this thing walk with like its like legs. A, but it's, it's almost like a marionette in a way, <laughs> without the strings. Like he's just like. <laughs> Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a fun game to play. Yeah. I definitely look forward to playing that with you. I think that getting some of our fo- friends like uh, Nick, for instance. I yeah, think that'd Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Somerville. So this was the one. This is, I know which one this is. This is like the 2.5D. Right. Uh, kind of emotional, kind of heavy set. It's the family yeah. that's trying to survive. Remember how we were talking about how it, it reminded us a little bit of Limbo and yes. Inside? Yes. It makes sense because the co-founder of those games is the one behind this game. That's crazy. I mean, Limbo, that I mm, I can't play that. I can watch those games and I can be like, no, 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 you missed that thing. Why don't you try? It's creepy, yeah. Shoving the box. <laughs> oh, no, uh, that's not a box. What is it? <laughs> so, I mean, that was Limbo was awesome limbo was really good and if limbo was um, awesome then inside was spectacular indeed which it was yes it was you watch me play that game yeah i that's a game i have to watch i don't think i can play it. so I, i'd have to watch game. you play this one such a good game yeah i will definitely be picking that up i'm a big fan of both of those titles and i'm sure this one will just be equally as fun and amazing halo infinite so last year Microsoft was pretty proud of revealing Halo Infinite to an audience that honestly had a lukewarm reception <laughs> to what was shown. This is it. And I think that that was a bit of a, a wake-up call for the team, and mm. they made a very wise decision to delay the, the, the release because that mm. was going to be a launch title for the Xbox Series X. It was. And so one year later, thereabouts, we are presented with an update to it. And so they, they were showcasing some more of the, uh, the campaign narrative, but they also showed a lot of the online multiplayer experience. What are your thoughts on that game, Steve? Being as he is quite the halo fan. Well, I was torn, honestly. Uh, it, it did look fun. It did look, like it, you know, familiar, I should say. Uh-huh. Um, but it did look a bit too dated also. Um, like the environments just didn't come out and pop and, and, and grab you. Uh, they weren't very colorful. Master Chief looked great and it was great hearing, you know, the, the voice actor who's behind him. I, I liked the sound. I liked all, I hearing the, the little, uh, narrator announcements if you if you did something really cool you know no scope I'm like that's what I say you're listening to me uh 
you know, and, and they're showing off the different technology you have, like the Widowmaker, you know, sort of thing where he grapples up and he's hanging in the air and then, pow, you know, pops somebody as he's falling down. Um, so that all looked familiar and it did look fun. Uh, it just looked like it, it was nothing new, really. Uh, I wanted to see something, um, for example, like the plasma grenade. I wanted to see like a more a graphical explosion or something, or um, I wanted to really hear and feel the, the different sounds in the guns. Um, and even though it looked fun, it just still looked like there was something missing or there's something to be desired. I think one of the things that Halo struggles with is that due to its color palette, when they, they have a camera that is going through the action it doesn't like represent the game as well as how the game actually looks when you're, when you're playing it, you know, you're in first person perspective and you're going through and everything else. So it makes me think about how, when you're playing the game, I think that you are going to see a noticeable bump in quality with regards to the graphics when you're playing this game, because I agree. I mean, and it's always been the case where like you see, you know, kind of those panning camera shots. Like they, they essentially they're, they're using like this, in-game camera, like if you're like if you're using Unreal Engine or, or one of the other engines, usually they'll have some sort of camera that you can create. But the problem is, is that sometimes, <laughs> you know, you the, the game is designed specifically for like you know what do you see, right? If you're if you're doing a third-person game or a first-person game or something like that, like everything that you see from that vantage point, the art department is like just making everything look as optimized and amazing from that specific vantage point as possible. So when you break that and you start going, Hey, look at all this cool stuff everywhere. Then suddenly you're like, wait, why does that look like that? Why is it, you know? So for me, when I was watching the, the gameplay, the online multiplayer gameplay, I was pumped. I actually, uh, once again, I got feelings of the halo of old. Like this was a proper halo gameplay experience. Um, and that made me really happy because to me, as far as I'm concerned, there needed to be a return to basics in order to lay down a foundation again, because I feel like they kind of got away from that a bit, especially in Halo 5. And so I want to have more of that sensation of being in that, that, that world of Halo, like Halo 1, 2, 3, Halo ODST, Halo 4 was great. So nah, I don't care for Halo 4, right? You liked Halo 4 a I lot did. more than I did. Well, and, and if we're talking about online multiplayer, like, um, um, what was it? Halo Noble? Reach. Halo Reach had hands down some of the best online multiplayer gameplay. That you know, was, that, that, that's when they, I think they, they introduced the whole assassination feature. They should have a... Nah, that doesn't doesn't ring. Come off. It doesn't ring. Uh, but no. But I was gonna say they should. They have should like, have a pantsing feature where they go behind the mountain and they just pants them. They should have Halo. Something about the Noble series because I mean that it's all all like on their ships and like on their armors as Noble. noble like, they team. should have like a yeah Noble team or something. Well, th- I believe that that was the team in, in Halo Reach. Yeah, but th- I'm just saying they should have like a. That should be the, like the sequel. Within, you want a sequel, the, Steve? within the title somewhere, uh-huh. maybe. Uh-huh. But no, I I think that um, the gameplay looks like a lot of fun. We'll have to wait and see, like overall in terms of the graphics and stuff. I mean, honestly, I I think it's going to look great. I, I think it's going to play really well, 
And in terms of the narrative, I was relieved to see more of Master Chief in his element and, right. and kind of pushing more of that narrative. They were able to recruit back the lead writer from the Bungie team to help out with this particular game, which is a huge thumbs up from us as far as we are concerned, because that is one of the, uh, it's one of the pillars that made the original Halo trilogy and ODST as amazing as it was. I mean, that, that wasn't the only pillar that you had several pillars that uh, contributed to the success of those games. But I was really happy to see him. I mean, it was so funny because he comes up on stage. I'm like, I've seen that guy before. He somewhere. looks familiar. Who is? I'm like, oh, and I didn't recognize him because the last time I saw him, he was wearing glasses. So uh, we we were pretty uh, pretty excited for that. So I think I mean, would you say that you are cautiously optimistic about this? Oh game? yeah, for sure. Or I'm, would you go farther than that and say you're excited to play this game? I would say no. I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. I'm glad they're continuing the Halo series. I it was encouraging to hear. Um, I can't, I'm terrible with the names, but the gentleman you were just speaking about, mm-hmm. um, he said it, Halo is all about the Master Chief. And I'm like, that's true. Yes, sir. It is. Yep. And I definitely got that impression here and everything, you know, that, that was being said. Essentially uh, having him back acted as a recalibration for the franchise yeah. in terms of story. Because like, yeah, that was one of the glaring issues that I had especially with Halo 5, I was like, okay, this doesn't feel like Master like, Chief where are we at going? all. Why, yeah. why am I dividing my... It was weird because they tried to do what they did in, I believe it was Halo 3, where you had the Arbiter and you had Master Chief, and they it kind of went... Actually, I think they started was doing Halo, Halo 2. 2. Right. Um, but it was more successful. Like, like I accepted that more in terms of like the story because you gained perspective with the covenant and what was going on on that side of things. In addition to master chief and, and earth and, and all that. So like, I mean, it, it just seemed to flow really naturally back and forth versus this new one where like they almost try and make master chief out to be like almost like a villain of sorts. And right. then you had this other team, which again, nothing against those characters personally, but at the same time, it's like, look, I bought this game to play as master chief. I, it, it, it would literally be like if you had, you know, any other character from another franchise that all of a sudden like only gets like 50% screen time because they want to introduce some brand new character that doesn't nearly have the, the, the screen presence or charisma. It's like playing a Mario game and then you're just some turtle. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of like, okay. Sweet. So another title that I'm very much looking forward to is replaced which is coming out in 2022. That was the other 2.5D game. It has that like 16-bit pixelated kind of uh, flat graphical look, but but it it exists within this almost 2.5D world. And I want to say that that they showed this game like two years ago. I want to say they did because I remember talking to you about it and we were, they showed this plethora of, of, of 2D or 2.5D. Mm. And I was like, man, they're doing good. That was right around the time. I think that, um, what, what's the little, what's the game when you're the bioluminescent dude jumping around Ori? the rain? Ori. That was right around the time it they was. were showing like Ori. And I was like, man, there's these 2D, 2.5D games are looking awesome because yeah. there's so much stuff like happening in the background. That's grabbing your attention. And there's stuff happening in the foreground. I mean, these anyway, 
But the way they showed that one kind of just reached out for you in a way, almost like popped out of your TV and um, drew you in yeah. of sorts. So I, I was, I'm looking forward to that one. There was a level of creativity with the art direction in that game that grabbed me immediately. I mean, I, I was hooked oh, that, that the was, first time that was I had seen it. Oh, was that you? That, that was me. I, I thought you were goosing you. me. No, yeah. No, I, that was You me. hooked me? The other hand. Oh. Right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> In between the fondling and the uh, gropage. <laughs> yes. I was looking for pillows. Found something else. <laughs> <laughs> Throw pillows. Anyway, I was very much taken with the visual style of this game. Um, and what was interesting, too, it, it's weird, but watching the trailer, I got, like, like my gamer instinct could identify that that there was a lot in the secret sauce of this game that I think we're going to really enjoy. I, it's hard to, to like describe, but watching the watching what they had, like there was just a, a a wonderful variety of different situations that the character was in, and I want I want to say it, it's like a cyberpunk type of setting. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of what they were going for. But it was so cool because like like there was that one awesome shot of him climbing up the side of like a hotel sign or something and it was like dark and rainy and like you had some really cool like ray traced lights that come in and just kind of showed off the the building that was different looking than the character itself. The character was real pixelated, but the building wasn't. And I just love it. I, I think that it's a, a really neat vision overall. It's unfortunate that we have to wait until 2022. However, I feel like it's one of those games where like, hey, you take as much time as you want. Just let it, let it get nice and polished. Put a spit shine on that. Yeah, you? you know, was, I'm taking a while taking, you know, beating these games that I have. So you have gonna, a mountain of games that you have not beaten yet. <laughs> so it's going to be a while anyway. I can wait, Russ. If I have a foothill, you have a mountain. You have Mount Everest. Yep. I've climbed Everest, Rosa. No, you have not. <laughs> Outer Worlds 2. That was that was the um <laughs> That was that was the probably the best most humorous. Humorist? Humorous. Humorist. Humorous. Humor. Humor. Something. That was funny. Clever. Clever. Cleverest. Mm-hmm. No, it was. It was really cool because they didn't show an ounce of gameplay. It they was didn't. This like really high octane. You can tell they spent a pretty penny on these pre-rendered cinematics. Sure, but the whole marketing approach to this was brilliant. It was one of those things that like we as the gaming community we always think about. Like like especially if there are certain games that kind of miss the mark in terms of trying to build hype for itself. And it was fantastic hearing the, this voiceover guy just talk about like, oh, yeah, slow motion running. That'll be good for sales numbers and lens flares. Lots and lots of lens flares. Like it just went through the whole thing. Like, even in the beginning where it's like, you know, it, it starts out peaceful to be. Able, I can't remember exactly what he said. But he even said something about uh, we can't show you gameplay. Because we have no idea how it's going to look. <laughs> yeah. We show, we reveal the backside of our hero because the hero's not done yet. <laughs> Just the whole thing was, was very much self-aware of 
the state of which like how a lot of these game trailers are made, but also it was very self-aware of the fact that it was not ready to be shown itself. They just wanted to have a further announcement that, Hey, yeah. we're making the sequel guys. Exactly. My hope though, is that humor translates into the sequel itself because I beat the, the first game, the uh, outer world, yeah. outer worlds, excuse me. And aside from it being way too short, like it was like just starting to get really good. And I was getting, more invested in my crew and all of a sudden the game just ended. I was like, Oh man, like I thought I had another like 50 hours to go or something. The other thing about it was it had a bit of an off kilter, um, eccentric sense of humor to it, which was good, but I want it to go to 11 in terms of like what we saw in this particular trailer, because that type of humor would be absolutely fantastic throughout the entire game. Do you have any other thoughts on that there, Steve? No. Mm. Moving right along. Okay, so one of the juggernauts of the show, Forza Horizon 5. We have mentioned this a little bit earlier in the program, but um, Forza Horizon 5 looks absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous. Was it me, though, or was the the, the demo pixelating? Because I watched it again after I watched it with you, and it was still doing the same thing. So it wasn't a connection issue, but it seemed like... Either they were doing dust effects uh, as you were going through like the rainforest or the, the dirt roads or the demo was pixelating, kind of artifacting in a way. I think it's the video, the video itself. It didn't happen all the way through. It just happened on certain scenes, like when you were driving through that river, for example, towards the beginning. It's the video. It's the codec. Mm. Um especially because like if you play Forza Horizon 4 which I know you have you don't oh, really? see any of that whatsoever and especially now that you're going into Xbox Series X where they've got the extra horsepower and they've got the ray tracing all that, I yeah you're not going to see that at all especially when you're playing on 4K fork not a problem at all so that was a great example in fact I think I elbowed you during their demo of Forza Horizon 5 where they talked about photogrammetry and how looking at the various types of boulders and rock formations on the mountains and even the, the vegetation that um, exists throughout the, the world itself, all of that was done using that technique. And, and I think the results really speak for themselves when you look at it. I mean, th there were certain shots where like the camera was, was stationary and you heard one of the, the team members talk about the process of what's going on. And all of a sudden the camera then moves and you see a car go by and you realize, oh, this is gameplay. This is not even a, a cinematic for the game. It was crazy impressive. Like this, this is what gets me excited about the future of games as it applies to 3D modeling is that when you have something like photogrammetry in there, you just, you have these environments that all of a sudden take that next big leap forward in terms of graphics fidelity. Well, you also saw too, uh, there was a scene where you're in this, this doom buggy and you're, you went off a jump and you're yeah. falling down and the way, I don't know what it was, if it was like HDR effect or, uh, draw distance or, or just how smooth the frame rate was of you, launching towards the ground. There's that but sense I mean, of inertia. Like you almost yeah. got butterflies in your stomach like, as you watched this thing go. Yeah. Man. Puckered my butthole a little bit. There, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. So they ended up 
having their one more thing moment, which I'm glad that they do. I'm glad that like Apple has made this very popular with, <laughs> oh, there's just one more thing. <laughs> and they were able to, to kick it back over to Bethesda, which I thought was really nice because Bethesda is their most recent acquisition. Yeah. Bethesda is a, a huge publisher that um, has a, an incredible catalog of games. And so it was cool because I feel like this was, was a great send off that communicates that they are in fact working on new IPs. And so for them to have Redfall be their final game. Now this game trailer itself, it was just all pre-rendered cinematics. However, it was what's fun about the characters is you can tell it was a game made by Arcane Studios. Like when I was looking at the, the cinematics, I was like, my goodness, like these characters look like they stepped out of Dishonored. Uh, which is a good thing. Like I'm a big fan of the art direction when it comes to Dishonored and having it be more of like this kind of um, inner city uh, vampire environment. You know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can get behind this. And all the characters looked like they were a lot of fun. You could tell that each character kind of has its own kit. Little properties. Mm -hmm, little yeah. ability sets. That was a game I really wanted to see the gameplay on because yeah. I, I in the beginning I couldn't tell uh, or what are we fighting? Are we fighting more zombies? Are we fighting uh, other creatures? And it wasn't towards the end where that uh, that vampire that was flying with kind of like the orange yeah. uh, glowing arm sort of thing. I was like, yep, that one's a vampire right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, that, then it, it was revealed that yeah, you are fighting vampires, but. With all the abilities that everybody had, I thought this would have been the game to show some some play, not just have a, a pre-rendered cinematic. Do you remember if they showed a release date for that game? Or did they just simply say like 2022? I think they or, just said it was 2022. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably earlier in development. But if I had to guess, it was probably a first-person shooter. You would think so, yeah. Yeah, I would think because, I mean, like they did Prey, they did, like I said, the Dishonored series, both of which are first person. If it's third person, I think it would probably work out okay, but I think first person is what I'm hoping for, for a game like that. I think that'd be fun, especially if you have like four-player co-op. That'd be cool. Yeah, or it could be like that game. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to try and remember it, but it was- Left 4 Dead? Uh, was it Left 4 Dead when it was- it was kind of like this bird's eye view, but not so high like Diablo 2. Oh, you're talking about The Reckoning. Maybe that's it. But it was just close enough so you could see everything that was happening on screen. It was screen. like an isometric perspective looking down and like the, you you had a like a four-player co-op right. making your way through like graveyards and stuff. Yes. Yeah, that was The Reckoning. Okay, yeah. I It might be... I mean, I'd be okay if it was like that. Had some cool weapons you then upgrades you pick up right. along the way and stuff. I don't think it's going to be like that. I have a feeling it's either going to be first person or it's going to be a third person perspective uh, experience. But regardless, I'm looking forward to it. And you noticed too that they were wearing t-shirts that had the slogan from uh, the game itself. Right. It had like this right. really cool looking like vampire mouth, but it looked like he just got like shot in the mouth. So like <laughs> half his teeth was like, Pugh! and I, th I think it says bite back yeah. at the bottom. I will buy one of those shirts. Just FYI, if Microsoft or Bethesda makes that shirt available, I will definitely pick one of those up because I really liked how that looked. That was cool. Good shirt to wear on uh, Halloween. Absolutely. Pivoting away from the Xbox conference and going more into Square Enix, I was pleasantly surprised as to how strong of a showing they had. 
and they kick things off with Guardians of the Galaxy. With and not only that, but like it was like an in depth gameplay demo. Like you and I were very impressed. Long. Yeah, um, that was crazy long. No, um, and it's it's its own. Uh, look, too. Yeah. So I I haven't read the. You know what? I should next time there's a Dallas Expo, I'm just gonna go pilfer through the comics that they have. And, well, you, and uh, Steve, pick next up time some, just come with me geez. to the local comic book shop, Steve. Oh, yeah, oh. that too, maybe. I'll uh, show you around. I'll introduce you to some people. Hmm, how's it going? <laughs> I'm new here. <laughs> I don't hey, need any help right now. I'm just gonna look. He's looking around with some comics. <laughs> hey, can we find something? Guys, <laughs> got any comic books? Yeah, looking around, hey, we got a couple here and there. Um, so they might look like they do in the comic a little bit more, maybe. I mean, they have their own. The look is different than they look in the in the, uh, in the movies. And the writer even mentioned he said how these characters mm. look different than the comic book characters and the movie characters. They ah. wanted their own original take on the whole thing, right. and that's that's risky. I got to say. Because like one of the things that I've talked about in the past was like with regards to Marvel's Avengers, for example, I really feel like because the MCU has done such a bang up job with the over the past 10 plus years of cultivating these characters so that the, the likenesses of Chris Hemsworth, of Robert Downey Jr., of Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, you know, all the, these, these different actors that have played these roles for years and years and years. And especially given the timing of the release date of the, uh, the Marvel's Avengers game, my hope was that they would actually get the permission or basically be able to use the likeness of those actors and even maybe have them come in and do all the VO because who wouldn't want to play a game like that? Like right. if I'm playing as Robert Downey Jr., who's Tony Stark as Iron Man and I'm hearing his voice and everything else, sign me up. Oh yeah. Paul Bettany is coming back in to reprise his role as Jarvis. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, but they didn't do that. They decided to go with more of an original approach to the character art direction. And I think it was kind of a, it was, it was met with mixed results. That was not the case with guardians of the galaxy. In my opinion, when I was looking at the art direction for the characters, I really liked what I saw. What did you think? I did, but I, I also thought that the, the 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 voice actors who were representing the characters seemed more like the actors. It was in the same saw. vein, wasn't it? Yeah. Versus the Avengers, it seemed like the actors were tr or the the actors they used were trying to be like the actors we saw on screen, and so that took away something from me. Um, as with with Avengers, to me that that seemed to to make it more distant, uh, as opposed to you know close. But this, uh, since the personalities were really similar, I I I was right with it. Yeah, and they like like we we already mentioned they showed a lot. I mean, they even showed the title screen mm -hmm. where like they're all hanging out in kind of the lounge portion of their ship, and and there is humor all over the place. Like it, it was a feast for the eyes to be able to look around and see what little nuggets they've placed everywhere. The, I mean, I, th I think you even mentioned that the, the dialogue, the scripts, 
that we got to listen to as they're playing the game was really fun. I mean, it, it was, it was almost more fun to listen to them banter as opposed to like just walking down the, the environments. But thankfully the environments and then the visuals themselves were also visually arresting. Like, I was like, wow, this is, this is a, a game I could see myself really enjoying getting lost in. I think though, this one, I think you got to be a little bit careful with because there's only so many choices that you can choose as far as how to progress. So we was showing you, okay, you can listen to rocket or you can listen to, uh, they have dialogue trees, right? Yeah. Dialogue trees. So there, there's not an unlimited amount of choices. I mean, you can choose one or then you can play the game over and choose another. But after that, what do you choose? Did you ever play any of the Mass Effect games? Yes. Okay, because that is like right up Mass Effect's alley in terms of like... You, know, you knew trees. I played Mass Effect. Honestly, I couldn't remember if you had or not. I played Mass I Effect 1 and 2, but I don't know if you had ended up playing it or not. Did you play both? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Well, that's good, Steve. That's really good. Told but, you about it when I bought them. Right? But that was one of the things that I was... Hmm. Really, I mean, honestly, it was one of my favorite features about the Mass Effect series. And wow. even like with other games that Bioware did is they made that whole like, oh, you have a choice between these different options. And, uh, you know, based on what selection you make, it'll have some sort of bearing on like the narrative outcome down the road. So which is great, because I think that's the same kind of thing with Guardians of the Galaxy, where you have this uh crew of misfits that are a family and what happens in the family is you constantly have little moments of bickering or, or teasing or um, supporting uh, one of the family members that um, is down on their luck or maybe had a, a loss of some kind, you know, there are all those, those different traits that go into it. And I don't think it was lost on the, the development team at all. I, I think that they identified that as something that was, kind of like one of the, the core components to the foundation of their game. I wasn't too fond of all the, the, the final fantasy stuff. Surprisingly though, that Squaresoft brought out, I was really hoping that they were going to show the next iteration of final fantasy seven remake. And they didn't show anything. They're like, hey, all this stuff you played in the past, well, we're bringing it back. How's that? Like, okay, cool, but what about the continuation? It's a good question for sure. And I think that they are probably met with this creative challenge where they, you know, they've, they've sent the, or they, they've set this visual benchmark really high like as you're playing through as i know you have with final fantasy 7 remake it's a gorgeous game they've they've done a lot to it they've completely redone the the battle mechanics it's no longer like the turn-based uh type of system and i think as they continue on especially now that they have left midgar and and now they're in more of like this open world space where you know, they not so much can they rely on the uh, rinse and repeat of, okay, now you're going to go back down this tunnel that you went through five times already. And, you know, they, they, I, don't th I don't think they can rely on that as much. Um, so it, it is going to be interesting to see what the release schedule ends up being because I definitely would like to be able to play the, the, the sequels. Uh, or not, it's not even really a sequel. It's just the continuation of the story sooner rather than later. I would have liked a taste, though, even if it was like 2023. 
just for them to kind of put it out there like, hey, something else for you to look forward to. I, I think that would have just been the icing on the cake. They did show Legend of Mana, which I was particularly interested in because I have never played Secret of Mana, which is like apparently like one of the best RPGs ever. Like every one of my friends who finds out that I have not played that game, it looks like they almost have a heart attack because it's that good of a game. And I don't think you've played it either. I haven't. And so Legend of Mana, I'm assuming is the sequel to Secret of Mana. Mana or Mana? I don't know. Mana, Mana? Mono y mono? I'm not sure. But I am looking forward to that. I, I at the very least, will be able to perhaps get uh, a flavor of what Secret of Mono was all about. And then finally on my list, there was a game called Forspoken. And it was crazy because I almost missed it. Like, like it was at the end of, of the Square Enix presentation. And they were giving a montage of different games that are coming soon, that sort of thing. And they had this really brief shot of like a logo that says Forspoken and they had like like um, barely like a few seconds of gameplay animation but it was just enough for me to like pause the show and rewind what was that and so then I just search afterwards and I don't know how I missed this but they had actually come out with a, a, a trailer for this game back in March of this year this game looks legit it has this female protagonist. It looks like it's a, a third-person action-adventure game. Uh, maybe she's a sorceress or something. I'm not exactly sure. She's got the, these like kind of supernatural abilities. And the world itself just looks terrific. I mean, it has that kind of hyper-real look to it. I wouldn't be surprised if they use some, some form of photogrammetry in that as well. But I was really surprised, honestly, that they didn't have more time dedicated to just showing more of this particular game because I was sold. Honestly, I was like, man, I want to play this game, man. I want to play something. <laughs> What'd you think? Yeah, I, it, it was, it was kind of a little bit of a letdown that they didn't show more of the game, but that they slapped you with it towards the end. Like, Hey, so everything we just showed you were like, you didn't show us that. No, <laughs> I was watching closely. I wasn't sleeping. You didn't want, <laughs> and then you. We had to look it up. We're like, yeah, we, we they they played it, you know, a while ago. But it, it was odd that they they just. I don't know why they that chose what they chose to do it that way. Well, it seemed like there was a few, or there were a few, excuse there were a me, di in there, different yeah. studios that did that. I mean, Microsoft did the same thing. Like, for instance, like with Forder, uh, Forder, with Forza Motorsport. Um, you know, we we were totally expecting to see much more footage of that. And instead they kind of waited till the end and they had that little montage. Like, oh yeah. And then we have this other game over here. Where <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, hold on a second. I wanted to see more of that. Um, and I think honestly it has to do with shifts in production. I think 2020 was just, it was crazy in terms of, of these studios trying to, to stay on target and, and, and meet their deadlines and milestones. And maybe there are certain things that, that cause delays or whatnot, but at the same time, it's not as though there's um, nothing to look forward to because there, there is a healthy amount. And again, I have to stress that we haven't seen Sony's hand yet. Like that was the big thing about this was that we saw, um, some of these other studios, but Sony has yet to really come forward. I mean, we did see Horizon Forbidden West uh, before the whole E3 show commenced. Um, but 
Nintendo was there. They did their whole Nintendo Direct thing. Really, the the games that stood out to me, Metroid, uh, was it Dread, was it? I think so, yeah. Um, it, apparently, it's like the first new Metroid title in 19 years. And so I'm actually looking forward to picking that game up because I've been wanting a Metroid title for my Switch. Doesn't Nick like Metroid? Oh, he loves Metroid. Mm. Uh, we, we have, we have a, a number of friends who are big Metroid fans. Ah. There was a, a sequel uh, to Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I'm also looking forward to picking up. Apparently, that's not going to be available till 2022 at the earliest. It may even get pushed to 2023. Uh, but that was a game that I was looking forward to. And they were showing the latest edition of Tekken to the uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate title. I still have not picked up that game. And it's so funny because they keep adding more and more characters that I love. And so it's like, one of these days I'm going to pick this thing up. And it was really funny because there has been a long time where I, I, I keep waiting for the game to go on sale. And I don't think it ever really does. I'm thinking man, why does this game ever go on sale? Like it's been out for years now. Well, I mean, it's making more sense because it's like, my goodness, the roster is huge. I, I don't even know how many characters they now have in this title, but I'll just, I'll, I'll say it now. I will pick it up. I just don't know when. Hmm. I think that's what you said last year. I know, but don't worry. Hmm. I'm tenacious. I'm not worried. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, make sure you tickle that subscribe button. Maybe poke that notification bell on YouTube. That way you will not miss a single Joygasm episode that drops once a week you can also do a search for us at joygasm tv on your various social media platforms of choice last but not least do a search for joygasm tv on twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every wednesday night at 9 30 p.m central time we will see you all next week